Hello and welcome to the Leadership for Unicorns podcast. I'm your host, Rob D. Willis, communication skills and storytelling expert for the tech industry. Today, I am talking to Dora Nadja, executive coach and advisor to scale up CEOs. Before becoming a coach, she worked in Silicon Valley and then London, working for the likes of SoftBank and Google. This show is all about the challenges faced by leaders in rapidly scaling tech. And Dora's got experience from the inside and the outside. So I know this is going to be a really great conversation today. Dora, welcome to the show. Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here with you. So let's dive straight in. Uh, Could you tell us about a time where you've been really tested as a leader in tech? As you mentioned in your intro, I spent uh, quite a bit of my career in Silicon Valley. Um, I really wanted to be there. I moved from Europe. First, I was in New York, and then I went to um, the Valley because that's where all the cool things were happening at the time. And I really just wanted to be around other leaders who are just exceptional. Um, And that comes at a cost. Um, Surprisingly, what I found out is that um, defining yourself also as a leader becomes quite tricky because you are surrounded by lots of exceptional people. The standards are super high. Everybody's high performing, you know, type A, um, amazing, amazing people. Um, But it really tested my self-belief when I was in a situation, not just one situation, um, I will talk about that a bit later, um, but just as I went through the uh, years and years um, in the Valley, being given sort of various performance reviews and uh, various feedback cycles, and um, it really tested my belief around my value and my worth. Um, similarly to other people as well, who sort of get a lot of feedback, a lot of performance reviews, a lot of people telling them uh, what else they can be doing, what more they could be doing. And so it's just a very interesting um, mental game to go through um, and emerge as a leader without uh, losing your self-confidence, without losing uh, your self Worse, um, mm-hmm. simply because you're being told certain things um, that might or might not be true. And so for me, it was a very interesting journey, um, sort of figuring out myself worse and my value, um, playing someone else's game. Because what I realized is being in a corporate world is, is playing someone's game. So there are rules of the game. Um, you can work out how to play the game. But you have to be very conscious around uh, how much you're willing to sacrifice in terms of your your value, your um, you know priorities, and the things that are important to you. And you can play the game really well, um, but you really need to make sure you don't sacrifice sort of who you are as a person, what you believe in, and what you uh, what you're willing to fight for. And so mm. for me, that was just really challenging. Um, couple of occasions where um, I really questioned my value and it wasn't sort of one big moment. So I know you talked about sort of one moment or one Mm -hmm. specific instance where um, the uh, challenging situation uh, happened. For me, it was sort of ongoing small bits and bobs here and there. Um, And of course, there were some bigger moments, um, but similarly to how, um, you know, we talk about sort of big T trauma versus small T trauma. I think there's mm-hmm. a small T trauma equivalent in the corporate world um, 
where you're being conditioned and sometimes even brainwashed in a certain way that you end up not knowing who you are anymore. And I have spoken to a lot of people who have been uh, laid off, who had some massive tech layoffs in the last few years. And and that's where the the reality hits that they have been so brainwashed in some cases that they have no idea who they are and what their value is. So a couple of things that I found really, really challenging. Um, so I worked in Europe first and then I worked in US um, second. Yeah. And I had um, an executive coach. Um, and it was very interesting, first of all, the kind of feedback I was given. So in Europe, um, I worked in London at the very beginning of my career. And for example, I was told that I'm not being uh, subtle enough. Um, my style was a bit too direct, uh, a bit too abrasive. And I was also told that maybe it's a um, Eastern European thing, like it's different culture, different styles. You know, today nobody would even dare to say those types of things because uh, like, you know, <laughs> bit of, uh, bit of uh, a risky territory there to go. But I was, I was told that I was uh, a bit too direct. And so I figured, okay, I'm going to tone it down. I'm going to be a lot more subtle and uh, understand how to play the game here. And then I went to New York and then I was told by my coach that I'm not being direct enough so that I'm not uh, stepping up. I'm not raising my voice. I'm not putting myself forward. And so I found it hilarious that, you know, just in a year's time, I'm being given a completely different type of feedback. And it was all about, okay, how can you fit in? How can you win the game here? What are the things you need to show and be and do to win the game here? So that's when I started to work out that, okay, there are some rules here that I need to figure out and I need to know how to work the rules. And so it was very interesting to see that um, once I started to master um, how to play the game, so for example, show evidence that I was taken on the feedback that I was given, um, then I would get better performance reviews, I would get better feedback from my managers. But mm-hmm. of course, managers, they really just need you to perform so that they can perform better. And so I figured out that a lot of the feedback that I was given wasn't really about me doing better or, or growing or really stepping into my potential. What I realized was that a lot of the feedback that I was given and actually a lot of people that were given feedback, it was more about helping the managers to, um, to have less, you know, problems to deal with or less friction or, um, just so that they can do their job better, um, and they can shine better. So that was interesting realization that I naively thought, you know, feedback was all about, you know, how you do better, like how you develop, um, how you play to your strengths, but actually. A lot of that feedback was about how to make the manager's life easier. Yeah, let's let's pause there for a second, because uh, from what I can tell, that the the kind of journey you're telling me about here is about how you found yourself as a leader, and you've been in different markets, different cultures. Uh, you've been comparing yourself with other people. You've been getting feedback from others, and then you mentioned things like sacrificing who you are as a, as a leader. And then, of course, we'll, we'll, there's the the benefits of coaching throughout all of this. But this point about feedback and how 
when you get feedback from someone that actually says more about them than about you. There's not to say that there's not something useful we can take from it, but we do need to reflect on it and we need to take it in the right way. And you've mentioned the kind of feedback cycles that you had. And uh, let's, I'd just be really interested to think about when you went to the US versus when you left it and you received these bits of feedback. Let's try and imagine like a, maybe a, a performance review in year one versus the very last year you were there. What do you think the main difference was in how you took the feedback? So in the meeting, what did you say? How did you ask for things? Afterwards, what did you do? What, what did you impl- implement? How did you assess what was actually relevant to you as a person? I'm just interested, how did that shift happen throughout the time in the US? Yeah, I think um, the main difference was the person who was giving me the feedback. Um, So what I learned was that the person who really cares about you, really sees your value, their feedback is so precious because they're going to actually look at you and think, okay, how can I bring the best out of you Mm -hmm. in a way that you're going to really benefit from it in this job and maybe in the future job. Um, And when you feel that someone has your back, they see your value, they see what you contribute. Um, It's a very different conversation when it comes to feedback and and overall development versus someone who just really doesn't care. Like they just Mm -hmm. care about whatever their agenda is. Uh, what they need, uh, you know, they have issues. So you are just there, part of the puzzle to sort of make their life easier. Um, and so that, that's a huge difference. Um, the other thing yeah. is when you respect your manager, you're going to take their word a lot more seriously than yeah. if you work for someone who's just not as successful or credible or mm-hmm. accomplished. Um, so. To give you a specific example, um, there was one instance where it, it was just not a good fit um, in the role between between me and the and the manager. I was actually um, getting into the role, assuming I was going to report to someone else that I really respected, and and uh, it was a leader who was very well liked, respected in the company. And then last minute, something happened. She rotated out into another role, and then last minute, there was another manager brought in that did mm-hmm. not have a particularly good reputation at that point. And so the, the, the feedback cycle, I remember, um, I was producing events, and I just produced the most successful, biggest, um, and most successful events um, in the entire year um, in that program that I was running. But I got a missed expectation. Um, and I got a missed expectation simply because when I was traveling to the event, uh, I got into a traffic jam and I missed the flight, the original flight I was uh, going to go out with. And I could only arrive the following day, still one day before the entire event and everything was super prepared, super thought through, everything went super smooth. But this was a good enough reason for this manager to give me a really crappy evaluation. It had mm-hmm. nothing to do with my work, my output. It was an insanely successful event, um, and everybody um, acknowledged that. Um, but that was something that really opened my eyes around 
okay, well, this clearly has nothing to do with my value, what I produced, my output. There was something else going on there. Maybe I was just not welcome mm-hmm. um, in that role or in that team or whatever else was going on. But as you said, it's, it's more the reflection of that person. Uh, which I was lucky enough to to realize at that point, because otherwise I think I, I would have taken it very personally and would have beaten myself up a lot. Yeah. So that was definitely helpful to see that. Um, and then I had another other similar situation where it was just a lot of politics. I think people were shuffled around. And my team got a manager who was not really clear on why she was in the role and if, if it was the right role for her. Um, and we had similar experiences where, um, we were just not really supported. And, uh, I think I remember one feedback conversation where, um, you know, I was asking for feedback. I always ask for feedback because I learned the, the rule of the game. You always want to act on feedback. You always want to be better, you know, whatever they need still, um, it's the managers right to ask you to do better and more. So. I would ask for feedback. I would I would be prepared to work on some of the things. Um, and I remember she was telling me that, look, we can do this whole cycle, but honestly, I don't think you have any political skills. So I don't really want to invest my time in in working with you and developing any of well, your skills. She said that explicitly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I wish I had recorded those conversations because it would be quite fun to to listen back to it. So that was another moment when I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Clearly, this is more about you than about me. I'm always mm-hmm. keen to to you know work on things or adjust my style to your style, whatever, whatever. But this is just not even appropriate. Yeah, but um, very rude question. How old were you when that conversation happened? Um, I can't remember, but I think I was my my late twenties, probably. Okay, so still, you know, still at that age where you're trying to find yourself, you know, <laughs> still not um, completely there, though not a complete beginner, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, at that point, I have done a couple of years, you know, UK, US, I have sort of mm-hmm. started to learn the uh, the game and how to play the game. Yeah. So um, I was quite prepared to to handle that kind of situation at that point, luckily. Okay. So no part of you was like, oh, damn it. I wish I knew how to do the politics. <laughs> like, Or were you completely secure in yourself? Well, I just thought I didn't know how to do the politics, but I learned at the game. So I knew exactly how to deal with her in a situation. And okay. so it actually served to me that she underestimated my understanding of the politics. Uh, now, yeah. I didn't do, she didn't really give me examples. So I, I couldn't really work out what she actually meant. Uh, I knew that there was some weird power dynamics between her and others at her at her level, mm-hmm. um, but I, I I was sort of you know out of that kind of uh, kind of game. Thank God, so um, I didn't see much of it. Uh, but I I never worked out what she actually meant because she couldn't give me any examples. Yeah, it's always a great way to to get an honest answer of people. Have you got an example? And so often there's literally no one example they can come up with. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's a that's a very good red flag. So whenever I I speak to people who um, have a hard time um, in their role, they want to grow their grow their role, they want to grow their uh, scope and responsibilities, and they keep asking their their manager like, "What can I do to get better? Like, what would it take for me to the get get to the next level?" 
And the manager can't give specific examples and they also can't give examples of sort of behaviors or outputs, things like that, uh, that they believe you should improve. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that's always a red flag because it's borderline manipulating and brainwashing you to have a certain view of yourself. Um, and unfortunately, it's a, it's a well-known bias, the, the authority bias, that if somebody who is more senior than us says something, um, we mm-hmm. tend to believe what they say simply because they are more senior um, or they have a certain title. So it's yeah. very important to sort of pause and really just ask yourself, is it really true what they're saying? Like, what's the truth that I can find in what they're saying? Um, and also have the freedom to, to say, okay, I don't think I can accept this feedback because they can't explain, they can't give examples. Um, that's always a bit uh, dodgy in my opinion. Um, I, I don't tend to take that kind of feedback anymore when they can't give me specific examples. Yeah, yeah, that take, it does take a lot of lot of strength. And I'm I'm just wondering when did that click for you? Um, because I imagine there was a time where maybe you would have taken a statement like that quite personally. Uh, at least certainly I would have at certain points in my life. Um, and I'm wondering. Can you think of maybe the moment where you realize that just because a manager says something to you in a performance review doesn't mean that they're right and you felt more secure in yourself? Do you, do you know when that was about? Um, I don't think it was one particular moment, but it was a combination of other people that I respected um, yeah. giving really good feedback about my work, uh, my output. Um, people who were at the same level as my manager or even higher. And mm-hmm. so I think that's really important to have other people as a sounding board that you respect that will give mm-hmm. you the truth and, and happy to give you true, raw truth. Um, because that balances out this type of, uh, this type of feedback or, or just put things into a better perspective. And yeah. I think by then I sort of worked out, okay, how, corporate games work um, and sort of worked out that, that a lot of the managers are in a tough spot anyway. Like they try mm-hmm. to sort of secure themselves more. They try to get ahead, try to get promoted. Um, yeah. And so I have, I had some empathy for, for my manager. Um, mm-hmm. Yet, you know, I would have expected a bit more support in that situation because that really could have um, damaged my career um and so and and more importantly myself belief so if i didn't have other people uh who had good opinions good feedback if i didn't have other people encourage me um tell me you know just get out there you know find a better team better manager um don't waste your time here like i would have been just very isolated and just uh would have taken things a lot more personally uh without that perspective and other other voices yeah, you you were you know new in the in the states, and I'm just wondering how did you build up that network then? Um, it was mostly my peers, so in the same company, um, I always tried to reach out and talk to people that I really admired. Um, even to this day, whenever I see somebody doing interesting things, um, really cool things that they are building, whether they are an employee or or a founder somewhere. 
I try to just get to know them um, mm-hmm. and learn about their story. And I think in the States, because I was still sort of newish, I tried to just meet as many people as possible and also learn their experience, their story. Um, and it also helps when you know that others are going through similar things uh, yeah. as you, because then you know, oh, it's not just me or, you know, <laughs> oh, I thought it was just me, but no, there's actually an issue here. Um, and so that really, really helps uh, to talk to others for sure. Yeah, I, I was about to to ask if that did anything to to quench that feeling of insecurity you had when you compared yourself to the type A personalities, high achievers that you encountered. I imagine once you're able to get to know them, scratch the surface a bit, maybe it wasn't quite so perfect as as you thought at first, yeah? Well, the thing is, like, I'm a super high achiever type A person. So mm-hmm. what I realized is that more the more high achiever and more perfectionist someone is like myself the more insecurity we have inside and when you are in an environment with other high achievers suddenly you become average and it's a very weird experience for someone who is used to um being high performer and being in places where you know you're probably in the top like 10 percent five percent so it's mm-hmm. definitely a humbling experience to be surrounded by other people that are also super smart, super driven. Um, mm-hmm. But that's that's how I found the best and fastest ways to learn and to to get better and also to put things into perspective. Because when you talk to other people, also have insecurities. And you know, in fact, now I coach founders, CEOs. Um, tech startups and nine out of 10 has quite, um, you know, big imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And so when you see that even the people that you think are, you know, so quote unquote perfect and high performing and, and amazing results uh, that they're driving, then you realize like they are just as insecure in a way as you are. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's quite reassuring to know, okay, it's, it's not me. Yeah. It's not that I'm big. It's not that something is wrong with me. It's quite the, the nature of, um, people want to perform and want to better themselves okay yeah it's i've seen the same with uh, when i worked in the music industry meeting top 10 selling artists and you think oh these guys are superstars and they've got all these fans and so on but usually there is a very insecure person beneath that and that's what made them pursue this kind of role in some cases yeah. And and be so relentless in their pursuit of of high achievement. Um, I'm just thinking about you know, this is kind of your journey, finding yourself as a leader, going through moments that may have made you question yourself as a leader. So, having gone through all of that, um, what? How would you describe yourself as a leader? And what do you think is most important to you, which maybe came from that moment where you were constantly being tested and, and self-doubting and so on in that time? Yeah. Um, you know, what comes to my mind is I'm a quote-unquote quiet leader. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not somebody who's going to go out, be loud, uh, you know, be in center of attention, uh, being this like visionary, uh, charismatic uh, person out and mm-hmm. about sort of socializing everywhere um, nor this sort of highly abrasive get stuff 
done my way or the highway type of person. Um, I'm someone who is in the background just executing and, and achieving results, uh, others. And so what I learned is that we have this stereotype around who is quote unquote, the right leader or the most successful mm. leader. But as I looked into leadership styles and what makes good leaders, what I realized is that actually there are a couple of different styles that exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was through my work um, when I founded a, uh, co-founded a personality profiling company, like a mm-hmm. psychometric testing, because we looked into sort of leadership styles, work styles, etc. And so what I realized is that the really good leaders are able to flex between the different styles, depending mm-hmm. on the people they're dealing with, um, the situation they're facing and the environment. So in some environments where there's a crisis, maybe there are poor junior people, inexperienced people, have to be very much on, like go almost micromanage if you need to full force, get it done. It's like a wartime leadership. Uh, You might be familiar with that term. But in other times when things aren't in a crisis and you're dealing with, say, highly competent people, um, you go more into a coaching style because all they need mm-hmm. is really your support, your trust, your belief. They, they will go and get stuff done and they're going to do a really good job of it. So what I find is like really good, effective leaders. They understand the context and the people and they're able to mm-hmm. flex their style and lead and work and speak differently um, depending on what the situation is and who they're dealing with. So for me, I'm a very quiet, I'm introverted, I just get stuff done. I'm always two steps ahead. I'm very good at working out what's going on, what game are we all playing, um, Mm -hmm. and how to get to the desired outcome um, with others uh, that I'm working with. And for many, many years, I didn't have direct reports, but I had a lot of people who sort of volunteered uh, or did something we call the 20% project. to work on uh, fun, cool stuff. And that required also a lot of leadership skills because those people didn't report to me. They didn't have to do what I said. They didn't have to show up, right? But there was a lot of sort of influencing skills, soft skills, that even without the direct reporting line, I was able to get people to show up, do a good job, um, and get excited about the whole thing, even though that was not their main job. So I think Mm -hmm. that's also an important thing that just because you have a direct reporting line and you have the power uh, of that reporting line, yeah, that's great, but it's even better if you can actually get people to do what you want them to do in a way that they feel excited about it and they're keen and they will go above and beyond um, to do even more with you. It's interesting. Um, I'm saying this all reminds me of a video by a leadership uh, communications expert called Connor Neal, who talked about there are two axes, if you will, for the team that you lead of ability and motivation. And if someone is low ability, low motivation, then that's, that's a real, um, HR problem and you don't want that person. But like you say, if someone is high motivation, low ability, you need to work with them in a different way to someone who is high ability, high motivation. As you say, it's more kind of supporting role. Um, fantastic. These are amazing insights that came out of here. And as you say, you're someone who's learned to understand the game throughout um, these difficult experiences you've had. 
And I loved your points about when someone gives you feedback, ask for specifics. And if they can't give them, that's a massive red flag. And then also finding a network of peers to use as a sounding board to understand, is this something which is valid? How do I approach this? And so on. But just to tie up uh, this conversation, I'm wondering, looking back on those times in, in the US and how you were constantly being given feedback, some of it, let's say, valid, some of it maybe less valid. Um, if you were to turn that whole experience, that whole journey you had as a leader into a business book, what do you think you would call that book? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I would say, I've written a post about this recently, and I titled the post, um, Feedback is the most socially accepted form of manipulation. Oh, wow. That's and a good I write, one. And I write a lot about sort of how it messes with your self-worth, your mm -hmm. view of yourself, and so to be very, very careful what kind of feedback you take in, um, how you process it, and, and not let yourself be completely brainwashed just because someone has an agenda and they want their life to be easier uh, and simpler by wow. making you behave and act in certain ways. I got to say, if that was a, uh, a blog post or a YouTube video, that would get a lot of clicks. Feedback is the most socially acceptable form of manipulation. Wow. Great stuff. Um, Dora, where can people find out more about you? Um, most of my things are on LinkedIn. Um, so all my posts uh, are on LinkedIn and also my website, uh, doranagy.com. Awesome stuff. Dora, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Leadership for Unicorns podcast. Before you head off, I've got a small request to make. If you know another tech leader who would appreciate some of the ideas from this episode, please just click share and send it over to them. Also be sure to hit subscribe and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help. Until next time, I've been your host, Rob D. Willis. Thank you and goodbye.